Section two of the Secret of the Night by Gaston Larue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter two, Natasha. In the dining room, it was Thaddeus Chinkinoff's turn to tell hunting stories. He was the greatest timber merchant in Lithuania. He owned immense forests, and he loved Fyodor Fyodorovitch. Footnote. In this story, according to Russian habit, General Trebasov is called alternately by that name or the family name Fyodor Fyodorovitch, and Madame Trebasov by that name or her family name, Matrina Petrovna. Translator's Note. End of footnote as a brother for they had played together all through their childhood and once he had saved him from a bear that was just about to crush his skull as one might knock off a hat general trebasov's father was governor of courland at that time by the grace of god and the little father thaddeus who was just thirteen years old killed the bear with a single stroke of his boar spear and just in time close ties were knit between the two families by this occurrence and though thaddeus was neither noble-born nor a soldier theodore considered him his brother and felt toward him as such now thaddeus had become the greatest timber merchant of the western provinces with his own forests and also with his massive body his fat oily face his bull neck and his ample paunch he quitted everything at once all his affairs his family as soon as he learned of the first attack to come and remain by the side of his dear comrade theodore he had done this after each attack without forgetting one he was a faithful friend but he fretted because they might not go bear hunting as in their youth where he would ask are there any bears remaining in courland or trees for that matter what you could call trees growing since the days of the grand dukes of lithuania giant trees that threw their shade right up to the very edge of the towns where were such things nowadays thaddeus was very amusing for it was he certainly who had cut them away tranquilly enough and watched them vanish in locomotive smoke it was what was called progress ah hunting lost its national character assuredly with tiny new-growth trees which had not had time to grow and besides one nowadays had not time for hunting all the big game was so far away lucky enough if one seized the time to bring down a brace of woodcock early in the morning at this point in thaddeus's conversation there was a babble of talk among the convivial gentlemen for they had all the time in the world at their disposal and could not see why he should be so concerned about snatching a little while at morning or evening or at midday for that matter champagne was flowing like a river when rouletabille was brought in by matrena petrovna the general whose eyes had been on the door for some time cried at once as though responding to a cue ah my dear rouletabille i have been looking for you our friends wrote me you were coming from st petersburg rouletabille hurried over to him and they shook hands like friends who meet after a long separation the reporter was presented to the company as a close young friend from paris whom they had enjoyed so much during their latest visit to the city of light everybody inquired for the latest word of paris as of a dear acquaintance how is everybody at maxim's urged excellent athanase georgevitch thaddeus too had been once in paris and he returned with an enthusiastic liking for the french demoiselles vogelguer monsieur he said appearing very amiable and leaning on each word with a guttural emphasis such as is common in the western provinces ah vogelguer 
Matrena Petrovna tried to silence him, but Thaddeus insisted on his right to appreciate the fair sex away from home. He had a turgid, sentimental wife, always weeping and cramming her religious notions down his throat. Of course someone asked Rouletabille what he thought of Russia, but he had no more than opened his mouth to reply than Athanase Georgievich closed it by interrupting. Permites, permites, you others of the young generation, what do you know of it? You need to have lived a long time, and in all its districts, to appreciate Russia at its true value. Russia, my young sir, is as yet a closed book to you. Naturally, Rouletabille answered, smiling. Well, well, here's your health. What I would point out to you, first of all, is that it is a good buyer of champagne, eh? And he gave a huge grin. But the hardest drinker I ever knew was born on the banks of the Seine. Did you know him, Feodor Feodorovitch? Poor Charles Dufour, who died two years ago, at fate of the officers of the guard. He wagered at the end of the banquet that he could drink a glassful of champagne to the health of each man there. There were sixty when you come to count them. He commenced the round of the table, and the affair went splendidly up to the fifty-eighth man. But at the fifty-ninth, think of the misfortune, the champagne ran out. That poor, that charming, that excellent Charles took up a glass of vin d'or, which was in the glass of his fifty-ninth, wished him long life, drained the glass at one draught, had just time to murmur, Toque, 1807, and fell back dead. Ah, he knew the brands, my word, and he proved it to his last breath. Peace to his ashes. They asked what he died of. I knew he died because of the inappropriate blend of flavors. There should be discipline in all things, and not promiscuous mixing. One more glass of champagne, and he would have been drinking with us this evening. Your health, Matrena Petrovna. Champagne, Fedor Fedorovitch. Vive la France, monsieur. Natasha, my child, you must sing something. Boris will accompany you on the guzla. Your father will enjoy it. All eyes turned toward Natasha as she rose. Rouletabille was struck by her serene beauty. That was the first enthralling impression, an impression so strong it astonished him. The perfect serenity, the supreme calm, the tranquil harmony of her noble features. Natasha was twenty. Heavy brown hair circled about her forehead and was looped about her ears, which were half concealed. Her profile was clear-cut, her mouth was strong and revealed between red firm lips the even pearliness of her teeth. She was of medium height. In walking she had the free light step of the high-born maidens who, in primal times, pressed the flowers as they passed without crushing them. But all her true grace seemed to be concentrated in her eyes, which were deep and of a dark blue. The impression she made upon a beholder was very complex, and it would have been difficult to say whether the calm which pervaded every manifestation of her beauty was the result of conscious control or the most perfect ease. She took down the guzla and handed it to Boris, who struck some plaintive preliminary chords. "'What shall I sing?' she inquired, raising her father's hand from the back of the sofa, where he rested, and kissing it with filial tenderness." "'Improvise,' said the general. "'Improvise in French, for the sake of our guest.' "'Oh, yes,' cried Boris. "'Improvise as you did the other evening.' He immediately struck a minor chord. Natasha looked fondly at her father as she sang. "'When the moment comes that parts us at the close of day, "'when the angel of sleep covers you with azure wings, "'oh, may your eyes rest from so many tears.' and your oppressed heart have calm 
in each moment that we have together father dear let our souls feel harmony sweet and mystical and when your thoughts may have flown to other worlds oh may my image at least nestle within your sleeping eyes natasha's voice was sweet and the charm of it subtly pervasive the words as she uttered them seemed to have all the quality of a prayer and there were tears in all eyes excepting those of michael korsakoff the second orderly whom rouletabille appraised as a man with a rough heart not much open to sentiment fedor fedorovitch said this officer when the young girl's voice had faded away into the blending of the last note of the guzla fedor fedorovitch is a man and a glorious soldier who is able to sleep in peace because he has labored for his country and for his czar yes yes labored well a glorious soldier repeated athanase georgevitch and ivan petrovitch well may he sleep peacefully natasha sang like an angel said boris the first orderly in a tremulous voice like an angel boris nikolaevitch but why did she speak of his heart oppressed i don't see that general trebasov has a heart oppressed for my part michael korsakoff spoke roughly as he drained his glass no that's so isn't it agreed the others a young girl may wish her father a pleasant sleep surely said matrena petrovna with a certain good sense natasha has affected us all has she not feodor yes she made me weep declared the general but let us have champagne to cheer us up our young friend here will think we are chicken-hearted never think that said rouletabille mademoiselle has touched me deeply as well she is an artist really a great artist and a poet he is from paris he knows said the others and all drank then they talked about music with great display of knowledge concerning things operatic first one then another went to the piano and ran through some motif that the rest hummed a little first then shouted in a rousing chorus then they drank more amid a perfect fracas of talk and laughter ivan petrovitch and athanase georgevitch walked across and kissed the general rouletabille saw all around him great children who amused themselves with unbelievable naivete and who drank in a fashion more unbelievable still matrena petrovna smoked cigarettes of yellow tobacco incessantly rising almost continually to make a hurried round of the rooms and after having prompted the servants to greater watchfulness sat and looked long at rouletabille who did not stir but caught every word every gesture of each one there finally sighing she sat down by fedor and asked how his leg felt michael and natasha in a corner were deep in conversation and boris watched them with obvious impatience still strumming the guzla but the thing that struck rouletabille's youthful imagination beyond all else was the mild face of the general he had not imagined the terrible trebasov with so paternal and sympathetic an expression the paris newspapers had printed redoubtable pictures of him more or less authentic but the arts of photography and engraving had cut vigorous rough features of an official who knew no pity such pictures were in perfect accord with the idea one naturally had of the dominating figure of the government at moscow the man who during eight days the red week had made so many corpses of students and workingmen that the halls of the university and the factories had opened their doors since in vain the dead would have had to arise for those places to be peopled days of terrible battle where in one quarter or another of the city there was naught but massacre or burnings until matrena petrovna and her stepdaughter natasha all the papers told of it had fallen on their knees before the general and begged terms for the last of the revolutionaries 
at bay in the Presnia quarter, and had been refused by him. "'War is war,' had been his answer, with irrefutable logic. "'How can you ask mercy for these men who never give it?' be it said for the young men of the barricades that they never surrendered, and equally be it said for Trebasov that he necessarily shot them. If I had only myself to consider, the general had said to a Paris journalist, I could have been gentle as a lamb with these unfortunates, and so I should now not myself be condemned to death. After all, I fail to see what they reproach me with. I have served my master as a brave and loyal subject, no more, and, after the fighting, I have let others ferret out the children that had hidden under their mother's skirts. Everybody talks of the repression of Moscow, but let us speak, my friend, of the commune. There was a piece of work I would not have done, to massacre within a court an unresisting crowd of men, women, and children. I am a rough and faithful soldier of His Majesty, but I am not a monster, and I have the feelings of a husband and father, my dear monsieur. Tell your readers that, if you care to, and do not surmise further about whether I appear to regret being condemned to death. Certainly what stupefied Rouletabille now was this staunch figure of the condemned man who appeared so tranquilly to enjoy his life. When the general was not furthering the gaiety of his friends, he was talking with his wife and daughter, who adored him and continually fondled him, and he seemed perfectly happy. With his enormous grisly moustache, his ruddy color, his keen piercing eyes, he looked the typical spoiled father. The reporter studied all these widely different types and made his observations while pretending to a ravenous appetite, which served, moreover, to fix him in the good graces of his hosts and of the Dacha de Ile. But in reality he passed the food to an enormous bulldog under the table, in whose good graces he was also thus firmly planting himself. As Trebasov had prayed his companions to let his young friend satisfy his ravening hunger in peace, they did not concern themselves to entertain him. Then, too, the music served to distract attention from him, and at a moment somewhat later, when Matrena Petrovna returned to speak to the young man, she was frightened at not seeing him. Where had he gone? She went out into the veranda and looked. She did not dare to call. She walked into the grand salon and saw the reporter just as he came out of the sitting-room. "'Where were you?' she inquired. "'The sitting-room is certainly charming and decorated exquisitely,' complimented Rouletabille. "'It seems almost a boudoir.' "'It does serve as a boudoir for my stepdaughter, whose bedroom opens directly from it. You see the door there. It is simply for the present that the luncheon-table is set there, because for some time the police have preempted the veranda.' "'Is your dog a watchdog, madam?' asked Rouletabille, caressing the beast which had followed him. Cor is faithful, and had guarded us well hitherto. He sleeps now, then? Yes, Kuprian has him shut in the lodge to keep him from barking nights. Kuprian feels that if he is out he will devour one of the police who watch in the garden at night. I wanted him to sleep in the house, or by his master's door, or even at the foot of the bed, but Kuprian said, No, 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 dog! Don't rely on the dog! Nothing is more dangerous than to rely on the dog! Since then he has kept Cor locked up at night, but I do not understand Kuprian's idea. Monsieur Kuprian is right, said the reporter. Dogs are useful only against strangers. Oh, gasped the poor woman, dropping her eyes. Kuprian certainly knows his business. He thinks of everything. Come, she added rapidly, as though to hide her disquiet. Do not go out like that without letting me know. They want you in the dining-room. I must have you tell me right now about this attempt. "'In the dining-room, in the dining-room, in spite of myself,' she said in a low voice, "'it is stronger than I am. I am not able to leave the general by himself while he is on the ground floor.' 
she drew rouletabille into the dining-room where the gentlemen were now telling odd stories of street robberies amid loud laughter natasha was still talking with michael korsakov boris whose eyes never quitted him was as pale as the wax on his guzla which he rattled violently from time to time matrena made rouletabille sit in a corner of the sofa near her and counting on her fingers like a careful housewife who does not wish to overlook anything in her domestic calculations she said there have been three attempts the first two in moscow the first happened very simply the general knew he had been condemned to death they had delivered to him at the palace in the afternoon the revolutionary poster which proclaimed his intended fate to the whole city and country so feodor who was just about to ride into the city dismissed his escort he ordered horses put to a sleigh i trembled and asked what he was going to do he said he was going to drive quietly through all parts of the city in order to show the muscovites that a governor appointed according to law by the little father and who had in his conscience only the sense that he had done his full duty was not to be intimidated it was nearly four o'clock toward the end of a winter day that had been clear and bright but very cold i wrapped myself in my furs and took my seat beside him and he said this is fine matrena this will have a great effect on those imbeciles so we started at first we drove along the naberjnaya the sleigh glided like the wind the general hit the driver a heavy blow in the back crying slower fool they will think we are afraid and so the horses were almost walking when passing the church of protection and intercession we reached the place rouge until then the few passers-by had looked at us and as they recognized him hurried along to keep him in view at the place rouge there was only a little knot of women kneeling before the virgin as soon as these women saw us and recognized the equipage of the governor they dispersed like a flock of crows with frightened cries feodor laughed so hard that as we passed under the vault of the virgin his laugh seemed to shake the stones i felt reassured monsieur our promenade continued without any remarkable incident the city was almost deserted everything lay prostrated under the awful blow of that battle in the street feodor said ah they give me a wide berth they do not know how much i love them and all through the promenade he said many more charming and delicate things to me as we were talking pleasantly under our furs we came to la place kudrinsky la rue kudrinsky to be exact it was just four o'clock and a light mist had commenced to mix with the sifting snow and the houses to right and left were visible only as masses of shadow we glided over the snow like a boat along the river in foggy calm then suddenly we heard piercing cries and saw shadows of soldiers rushing around with movements that looked larger than human through the mist their short whips looked enormous as they knocked some other shadows that we saw down like logs the general stopped the sleigh and got out to see what was going on i got out with him they were soldiers of the famous semenowski regiment who had two prisoners a young man and a child the child was being beaten on the nape of the neck it writhed on the ground and cried in torment it couldn't have been more than nine years old the other the young man held himself up and marched along without a single cry as the throngs fell brutally upon him i was appalled i did not give my husband time to open his mouth before i called to the subaltern who commanded the detachment you should be ashamed to strike a child and a christian like that which cannot defend itself the general told him the same thing then the subaltern told us that the little child had just killed the lieutenant in the street by firing a revolver which he showed us and it was the biggest one i have ever seen and must have been as heavy for that infant to lift as a small cannon 
it was unbelievable and the other demanded the general what has he done he is a dangerous student replied the subaltern who has delivered himself up as a prisoner because he promised the landlord of the house where he lives that he would do it to keep the house from being battered down with cannon but that is right of him why do you beat him because he has told us he is a dangerous student that is no reason feodor told him he will be shot if he deserves it and the child also but i forbid you to beat him you have not been furnished with these whips in order to beat isolated prisoners but to charge the crowd when it does not obey the governor's orders in such a case you are ordered charge and you know what to do you understand feodor said roughly i am general trebasov your governor feodor was thoroughly human in saying this ah well he was badly compensed for it very badly i tell you the student was truly dangerous because he had no sooner heard my husband say i am general trebasov your governor than he cried ah it is you trebasov and drew a revolver from no one knows where and fired straight at the general almost against his breast but the general was not hit happily nor i either who was by him and had thrown myself on to the student to disarm him and then was tossed about at the feet of the soldiers in the battle they waged around the student while the revolver was going off three soldiers were killed you can understand that the others were furious they raised me with many excuses and altogether set to kicking the student in the loins and striking him as he lay on the ground the subaltern struck his face a blow that might have blinded him feodor hit the officer in the head with his fist and called didn't you hear what i said the officer fell under the blow and feodor himself carried him to the sleigh and laid him with the dead men then he took charge of the soldiers and led them to the barracks i followed as a sort of afterguard we returned to the palace an hour later it was quite dark by then and almost at the entrance to the palace we were shot at by a group of revolutionaries who passed swiftly in two sleighs and disappeared in the darkness so fast that they could not be overtaken i had a ball in my toque the general had not been touched this time either but our furs were ruined by the blood of the dead soldiers which they had forgotten to clean out of the sleigh that was the first attempt which meant little enough after all because it was fighting in the open it was some days later that they commenced to try assassination at this moment ermolai brought in four bottles of champagne and thaddeus struck lightly on the piano quickly madame the second attempt said rouletabille who was making hasty notes on his cuff never ceasing meanwhile to watch the convivial group and listening with both ears wide open to matrena the second happened still in moscow we had had a jolly dinner because we thought that at least the good old days were back and good citizens could live in peace and boris had tried out the guzla singing songs of the orel country to please me he is so fine and sympathetic natasha had gone somewhere or other the sleigh was awaiting at the door and we went out and got in almost instantly there was a fearful noise and we were thrown out into the snow both the general and me there remained no trace of a sleigh or coachman the two horses were disemboweled two magnificent piebald horses my dear young monsieur that the general was so attached to as to feodor he had that serious wound in his right leg the calf was shattered i simply had my shoulder a little wrenched practically nothing the bomb had been placed under the seat of the unhappy coachman whose hat alone we found in a pool of blood from that attack the general lay two months in bed in the second month they arrested two servants who were caught one night on the landing leading to the upper floor where they had no business and after that i sent at once for our old domestics in orel to come and serve us it was discovered that these detected servants were in touch with the revolutionaries so they were hanged the emperor appointed a provisional governor and now that the general was better 
we decided on a convalescence for him in the midi of france we took train for st petersburg but the journey started high fever in my husband and reopened the wound in his calf the doctors ordered absolute rest and so he settled here in the dasha de Iles. since then not a day has passed without the general receiving an anonymous letter telling him that nothing can save him from the revenge of the revolutionaries he is brave and only smiles over them but for me i know well that so long as we are in russia we have not a moment's security so i watch him every minute and let no one approach him except his intimate friends and us of the family i have brought an old nina who watched me grow up ermolai and the orel servants in the meantime two months later the third attempt suddenly occurred it is certainly of them all the most frightening because it is so mysterious a mystery that has not yet alas been solved but athanase georgievitch had told a good story which raised so much hubbub that nothing else could be heard feodor fedorovitch was so amused that he had tears in his eyes rouletabille said to himself as matrena talked i have never seen men so gay and yet they know perfectly they are apt to be blown up altogether any moment general trebasov who had steadily watched rouletabille who for that matter had been kept in eye by everyone there said eh eh monsieur le journaliste you find us very gay i find you very brave said rouletabille quietly how is that said feodor feodorovitch smiling you must pardon me for thinking of the things that you seem to have forgotten entirely he indicated the general's wounded leg the chances of war the chances of war said the general a leg here an arm there but as you see i am still here they will end by growing tired and leaving me in peace your health my friend your health general you understand continued feodor feodorovitch there is no occasion to excite ourselves it is our business to defend the empire at the peril of our lives we find that quite natural and there is no occasion to think of it i have had terrors enough in other directions not to speak of the terrors of love that are more ferocious than you can yet imagine look at what they did to my poor friend the chief of the surette butchlikov he was commendable certainly there was a brave man of an evening when his work was over he always left the bureau of the prefecture and went to join his wife and the children in their apartment in the ruelle de loup not a soldier no guard the others had every chance one evening a score of revolutionaries after having driven away the terrorized servants mounted to his apartments he was dining with his family they knocked and he opened the door he saw who they were and tried to speak they gave him no time before his wife and children mad with terror and on their knees before the revolutionaries they read him his death sentence a fine end to that dinner as he listened rouletabille paled and he kept his eyes on the floor as if he expected to see it open of itself giving access to ferocious nihilists of whom one with a paper in his hand would read the sentence of death to feodor feodorovitch rouletabille's stomach was not yet seasoned to such stories he almost regretted momentarily having taken the terrible responsibility of dismissing the police after what Couperiane had confided to him of things that had happened in this house he had not hesitated to risk everything on that audacious decision but all the same all the same these stories of nihilists who appear at the end of a meal death sentence in hand they haunted him they upset him certainly it had been a piece of foolhardiness to dismiss the police well he asked conquering his misgivings and resuming as always his confidence in himself then what did they do then after reading the sentence the chief of the surete knew he had no time to spare he did not ask for it the revolutionaries ordered him to bid his family farewell 
he raised his wife his children clasped them bade them be of good courage then said he was ready they took him into the street they stood him against the wall his wife and children watched from a window a volley sounded they descended to secure the body pierced with twenty-five bullets that was exactly the number of wounds that were made on the body of little jacques zlorisky came in the even tones of natasha oh you did always find an excuse grumbled the general poor butchlikoff did his duty as i did mine yes papa you acted like a soldier that is what the revolutionaries ought not to forget but have no fears for us papa because if they kill you we will all die with you and gaily too declared athanase georgevitch they should come this evening we are in form upon which athanase filled the glasses again none the less permit me to say ventured the timber merchant thaddeus jnichnikoff timidly permit me to say that this bolshlikoff was very imprudent yes indeed very gravely imprudent agreed rouletabille when a man has had twenty-five good bullets shot into the body of a child he ought certainly to keep his home well guarded if he wishes to dine in peace he stammered a little toward the end of this because it occurred to him that it was a little inconsistent to express such opinions seeing what he had done with the guard over the general ah cried athanase georgevitch in a stage-struck voice ah it was not imprudence it was contempt of death yes it was contempt of death that killed him even as the contempt of death keeps us at this moment in perfect health to you ladies and gentlemen do you know anything lovelier grander in the world than contempt of death gaze on fyodor fyodorovitch and answer me superb my word superb to you all the revolutionaries who are not of the police are of the same mind regarding our heroes they may curse the kniknowicks who execute the terrible orders given them by those higher up but those who are not of the police there are some i believe these surely recognize that men like the chief of the surete our dead friend are brave certainly endorsed the general counting all things they need more heroism for a promenade in a salon than a soldier on a battlefield i have met some of these men continued athanase in an exalted vein i have found in all their homes the same imprudence as our young french friend calls it a few days after the assassination of the chief of police in moscow i was received by his successor in the same place where the assassination had occurred he did not take the slightest precaution with me whom he did not know at all nor with men of the middle class who came to present their petitions in spite of the fact that it was under precisely identical conditions that his predecessor had been slain before i left i looked over to where on the floor there had so recently occurred such agony they had placed a rug there and on the rug a table and on that table there was a book guess what book women's stockings by willie and and then your health matrena petrovna what's the odds you yourselves my friends declared the general prove your great courage by coming to share the hours that remain of my life with me not at all not at all it is war yes it is war oh there's no occasion to pat us on the shoulder athanase insisted thaddeus modestly what risk do we run we are well guarded we are protected by the finger of god declared athanase because the police well i haven't any confidence in the police michael korsakoff who had been for a turn in the garden entered during the remark be happy then athanase georgevitch said he for there are now no police around the villa where are they inquired the timber merchant uneasily 
an order came from kuprian to remove them explained matrena petrovna who exerted herself to appear calm and are they not replaced asked michael no it is incomprehensible there must have been some confusion in the orders given and matrena reddened for she loathed the lie and it was in tribulation of spirit that she used this fable under rouletabille's directions oh well all the better said the general it will give me pleasure to see my home ridded for a while of such people athanase was naturally of the same mind as the general and when thaddeus and ivan petrovitch and the orderlies offered to pass the night at the villa and take the place of the absent police fyodor fedorovitch caught a gesture from rouletabille which disapproved the idea of this new guard no no cried the general emphatically you leave at the usual time i want now to get back into the ordinary run of things my word to live as everyone else does we shall be all right kuprian and i have arranged the matter kuprian is less sure of his men after all than i am of my servants you understand me i do not need to explain further you will go home to bed and we will all sleep those are the orders besides you must remember that the guard post is only a step from here at the corner of the road and we have only to give a signal to bring them all here but more secret agents or special police no no good night all of us to bed now they did not insist further when feodor had said those are the orders there was room for nothing more and not even in the way of polite insistence but before going to their beds all went into the veranda where liqueurs were served by the brave ermolai as always matrena pushed the wheelchair of the general there and he kept repeating no 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 more such people no more police they only bring trouble feodor feodor cried matrena whose anxiety deepened in spite of all she could do they watched over your dear life life is dear to me only because of you matrena petrovna and not at all because of me papa said natasha oh natasha he took both her hands in his it was an affecting glimpse of family intimacy from time to time, while Ermolai poured the liqueurs, Feodor struck his hand on the coverings over his leg. "'It gets better,' said he. "'It gets better.' Then melancholy showed in his rugged face, and he watched night deepen over the aisles, the golden night of St. Petersburg. It was not quite yet the time of year for what they call the golden nights there, the white nights, nights which never deepen into darkness, but they were already beautiful in their soft clarity, caressed here by the Gulf of Finland, almost at the same time by the last and the first rays of the sun by twilight and dawn from the height of the veranda one of the most beautiful bits of the isles lay in view and the hour was so lovely that its charm thrilled these people of whom several as thaddeus were still close to nature it was he first who called to natasha 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 sing us your soir de ilse natasha's voice floated out upon the peace of the islands under the dim arched sky light and clear as a night rose and the guzla of boris accompanied it natasha sang this is the night of the isles at the north of the world the sky presses in its stainless arms the bosom of earth night kisses the rose that dawn gave to the twilight and the night air is sweet and fresh from across the shivering gulf like the breath of young girls from the world still farther north Beneath the two lighted horizons, sinking and rising at once, the sun rolls rebounding from the gods at the north of the world. In this moment, beloved, when in the clear shadows of this rose-stained evening I am here alone with you, respond, respond with a heart less timid to the holy accustomed cry of good evening. 
ah how boris nikolaevitch and michael korsakoff watched her as she sang truly no one ever can guess the anger or the love that broods in a slavic heart under a soldier's tunic whether the soldier wisely plays at the guzla as the correct boris or merely lounges twirling his moustache with his manicured and perfumed fingers like michael the indifferent natasha ceased singing but all seemed to be listening to her still the convivial group on the terrace appeared to be held in charmed attention and the porcelain statuettes of men on the lawn according to the mode of the eels seemed to lift on their short legs the better to hear pass the sighing harmony of natasha in the rose nights at the north of the world meanwhile matrena wandered through the house from cellar to attic watching over her husband like a dog on guard ready to bite to throw itself in the way of danger to receive the blows to die for its master and hunting for rouletabille who had disappeared again end of chapter two read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com